So I want y'all to give a big, warm welcome for John going on it's your boy johnny Ares, and we are back with another edition of the views from the john podcast and let me tell you people something my luck is so bad that i can actually predict it i am like the nostradamus of uh, predicting uh, my own misfortunes okay so let me paint the picture for you uh woke up today no work during the day right Beautiful day out, you know, it's supposed to be probably the mid-30s here in the northeast area And it's like 70 degrees out the sun shining the birds are chirping Just elated. I had a bunch of crap I didn't want to do today that had to do with running errands But because it's so beautiful outside and we just dealt with like six months of winter and it's 70 out You know everyone's out enjoying the day I just got all my errands done when I didn't feel like doing them. So, I mean, I'm on a roll. I've been crushing it today. And um, when I was just out running errands, I had like 10 different crazy things happen to me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in a great mood. Everything's going perfectly today. And I got a bunch of real life stories to talk about on a podcast. So I wasn't planning on recording the podcast today. But because, you know, things are going so perfectly, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast today because I'm in a great mood. And we got so much stuff to get to. And uh, I also happen to have the house to myself. And I said, you know what's going to happen? I haven't been this excited to get on a podcast in quite a while. Because I'm in a great fucking mood. And we got a lot of, I think, funny stuff to talk about. Stuff that's irritating me. That's all real. And uh, we happen to have the house to ourselves. It just, it was just a perfect day. And I said, you know what's going to happen? I said, I guarantee you that once I sit down in my little podcasting chair and I get all the equipment fired up and I'm about to hit record, my neighbors are going to come home and then it's going to get a little rowdy in the house and it's going to irritate me. And I swear to fucking God, when I went to sit down a second ago, about to hit record, I hear a door slam behind me and what do you know? They're fucking home. I love you guys if you're listening. Sometimes they listen to the podcast. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I think they would be the first to admit, you know, they got two little kids down there now. And we live in a really intimate house where we hear everything. And uh, it gets a little rambunctious down there. And I'm a quiet kind of guy that likes my, you know, quietness and my privacy and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just ironic. It's just ironic that I just wanted like this hour window where I knew nobody was home and I could be as loud and obnoxious as I want without worrying about all sorts of background noise coming up here in the background and giving me more editing work. And it, it's just, <laughs> it's just the story of my life, man. All I wanted was one more hour of time in this house where I was just free to just not have to worry about background noises and... You know, another weird thing about me is I've been this way since like uh, like middle school when I first started to talk on the phone a lot with friends. Because back then, when I was in middle school and high school, we didn't have cell phones. 
it was the old school you had to dial uh seven numbers or actually we had to dial 10 numbers i think we had to dial the area code too but yeah you know when you went to call one of your buddies or your girlfriend back in middle school or high school you had to use like you know landlines there weren't any fucking cell phones so uh back back in that time um you know, when your buddies or your girlfriend would call you, you'd have to take the portable phone and sneak into your room and have to make sure that, uh, you know, nobody in your house was picking up the uh, line to listen into your conversations. Like, I was the reason. Uh, even though I wasn't really talking about anything uh, controversial or bad, I just, I didn't like the thought of anybody being outside of my room listening to my phone conversations. So what I would do is I'd talk really quietly and I'd always have like a, a CD. It used to be called a compact disc. I don't know if anyone remembers those things, but I used to have CDs like on repeat just so I could have background noise, like kind of like a white noise. So it would kind of make, uh, you know, uh, anything that I was talking about on the phone in my room a little bit uh, harder for anyone to hear. But still to this day, being uh, 40 or 41, however old I am, I don't like people listening to me talk, whether it's on a podcast or on a phone. Once the podcast comes out, and it's released across all formats. I don't give a shit who listens to it. But while I'm recording it or while I'm on a phone call, I don't like anyone listening to me. I, I, I like to be alone except for the people who are on the podcast. And still to this day, I have that problem. I don't like people listening to me talk on the phone or talk on the podcast while it's happening. But when it's over, people can listen to it and play it to their heart content. I don't care. But uh, yeah, that's just one of the quirky... Yeah, that's just one of many quirky, weird things that uh, yeah go on up and stairs in my head. All right, you know what I got to do? I have to welcome some new subscribers. I'm not going to give people's names, but um, I don't know. You know, I've had this channel for uh, six, seven months now. Uh, podcasts, Spotify, Twitcher. Haven't really done much with Patreon. Patreon's for people to, uh, you know, pay me directly to hear my bullshit, and I don't think anybody wants to pay to hear my bullshit. So, um, yeah. Plus, I can't monetize anything on YouTube, anyways. You know, until I start releasing some good original, like filmed content, and uh, I clean up the language. Uh, YouTube is never gonna allow me to uh, make any money because we talk about things that are a little risque. And, of course, uh, in the type of politically correct world that we have now, uh, you know, you can't talk about, um, you know, anything that's uh, risque. And everything is risque now, right? But anyways, what's, what's, what's kind of freaking, not, freak, it, not freaking me out in a bad way, but freaking me out in a good way is uh, just throughout the day, pretty much every day now, I get random notifications from, uh, you know, Apple or Spotify or from uh, YouTube where I get a new subscriber to my show. And um, it's crazy because, you know, um, a lot of the times I do this podcast, um, I kind of cringe at some of the shit I say, even though the majority of what I say is 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 not really how I feel. It's, well, some of it is, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a good guy. I really don't hate anybody. I'm nowhere near as arrogant or ignorant as I come off. It's all an act, people. It's comedy. It's for your entertainment. It's for you to, you know, this show is for you to put on on your way into work, on your way home from work, while you're cruising on the highway, uh, while you're in an airplane, 
waiting for a bus, whatever the fuck, taking a shit, taking a shower, making love, whatever you do to pass the time by. This is, you know, this is for that. This is to, uh, you know, waste an hour of your time. And uh, no matter what you're doing, and I don't know where I'm going with that, but anyways, um, what when I see somebody subscribes to the show, no matter what platform it is on, I'm just, I'm honored, I'm humble. You know, every time that notification comes in that I got a new subscriber on YouTube or to my podcast on Spotify or to Apple, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe it. And the more time that goes by, I think the show's gotten a little bit better in terms of the content and audio quality. But at the same time, I think the show has actually gotten a little bit more risque, you know. I told you guys, uh, you know, none of the podcast is ever scripted. I just jot down a couple ideas on a piece of paper and just go. And when I really get into a podcast, kind of like I am now, I haven't looked up at the screen to see how long I've been talking. But now that I just said that, I just had to. But you know, I've been talking for like nine minutes, and it doesn't seem like it. And when that's happening, that means you know things are flowing, things are good. But my point is, is after an hour-long podcast, sometimes I don't even remember what the fuck I said. And then I'll only skim through the podcast and post-production to make sure that there's no crazy audio issues. And then I, you know, edit it all together with some sound bits and then I release it. But um, it's fun to listen back to, you know, a day later or a week later or an hour later because I completely forget what I talk about. So the last podcast I released, I think it was last Thursday, and I want to say Saturday on my way up to a buddy's house and on the way back I re-listened to that show and there were a couple <laughs> there were a couple times especially in the last half of the podcast when I was driving back to my house from Daryl's and I was listening to it there was a couple times where I brought up a couple things that actually made me cringe I was like holy shit I can't believe I said that or I can't believe I talked about that like I'm gonna get murdered but yet, you know, I've had like three new subscribers already today across, uh, you know, the different platforms I've had. And it's just like, wow, you know, it, it, I'm honored. So if you subscribe to my show through any of the formats or you subscribe to me on YouTube specifically because of this show, thank you. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart. Because I'm not necessarily, well, yes, I'm doing this for me because I don't have anyone to talk to, so I pretend like I'm talking to, uh, you know, a bunch of people. But, <laughs> you know, just hearing people's feedback and seeing people continue to subscribe to the show tells me that people are listening. When I look at the data, it says people are listening. And uh, I just can't thank you guys enough, because, you know, like I said, I'm doing this for me because I got no one else to talk to, but, you know, the, the more people that subscribe and write in, um, it just kind of underlines the fact that, yes, I'm not just talking to myself. People are actually listening to the show. They're enjoying it. Uh, thankfully, I've only had a couple of people since I've started this write in and get upset with me. So evidently not too many social justice warriors are listening to the program. Or maybe people do get upset by what I say, and they probably maybe realize that uh, you writing into me is just going to make you trash, trash the, whatever subject that is more. So... That's just it. If there's something I say that you don't agree with, that's fine. We're not going to agree on everything. And if there's something that you think I took a little bit too far, well, that's you. If you don't like me, don't listen. 
Nobody is forcing your hand to listen to this podcast. So if there's a joke that I do or a subject that I do that you feel is uh, more hate speech uh, than anything else, then you're completely missing the fucking point and just go away. You know, it's like the people who complain about uh, Howard Stern back in the day, but they don't listen to the show. It's like nobody's forcing you to listen to Howard Stern. If you don't like him or don't like his comedy or like his show, then don't fucking listen to it. Nobody is forcing your hand to listen to me, okay? So if you don't like something I say, then just forgive me or just go away. I don't want to hear you write in about your bullshit. I would love to hear from you guys. I want more of you to, to write in. You know, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, uh, write into info at realitydrip.com. Send me a message at realitydrippro at gmail. I got tons of it. Write in. Let me know what's up. Ask me some questions. I'll answer your question live on the air. No coffee at the moment. I'm coffeeed out. I've already had my 2.2 cups. We've moved on to Kool-Aid. Yes, Kool-Aid. I love fried chicken, watermelon, Kool-Aid. I love all that shit. All right. Uh, so, yes, um, new subscribers. It's tripping me out that people continue to subscribe to the show. And um, I can't thank you enough. All right. Anyways, uh, like I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, here in the Massachusetts area that I live in, it is currently 71 degrees and it's March 9th. It's March 9th and it's 71 degrees here. That's a little warm. I'm not complaining, but literally I think the average high temperature for a, uh, March 9th day in the Massachusetts area is like, uh, like 42, 43. That's, that's cold. It's raw. But uh, yeah, it's 71 here right now, and the sun is shining, and it, it, it is just gorgeous. I ugh. When you hate winter as much as I do, and it's just been six straight months of just miserableness, and just all of a sudden, it's this like, you know, May weather here. It, it's gorgeous. And you know what the craziest thing about it, too? Okay. It's 71 degrees here outside of Boston. It's warmer here today in the Boston area than it was in Orlando, Florida on Sunday. I was watching the Arnold Palmer Invitational Golf Tournament yesterday, which I believe is held in the Orlando area, and it was 70 degrees there. And there were people that were wearing like sweatshirts and jackets in 70 degree weather. And I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah, I know when you live in a super warm climate that your like blood supposedly thins out. Is that a real thing or just a saying? Do people's blood really thin out in a warmer climate? But man, even if you're used to like 80s and 90s and it hits six and it hits 70, does that really require you to put on a jacket? I mean, do people get that cold? I can't imagine wearing a sweatshirt or a jacket in 70 degree weather. There's people out here right now in friggin' shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, that's a little extreme, but it's Massachusetts. You see it every year. I don't care how friggin' cold it is. The first warm day of the year, whether it's March, February, April, you got people that put shorts on, t-shirts. I've already seen it. It's crazy. Um, you got to kind of ease into it, you know? You can't just jump right from your winter wardrobe into your full summer wardrobe. You got to ease it in, you know? 
you got to take the uh, winter coat off and maybe the sweatshirt. Now you're just rocking some, you know, some sneakers, some jeans, and a t-shirt. You just don't go right from the boots and the jeans and the flannel and all that shit right into your shorts, man. There's, there's got to there's, there's be a tra <laughs> there's got to be a transition. But yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is warmer in the Boston, Massachusetts area today than it was in Orlando, Florida yesterday. That's crazy. It's like, what, 1,500, 2,000 miles more north? But I tell you, man, there's something with the weather. The weather definitely helps dictate my mood. Because I hate winter with a passion, that's something I hate. If you guys want to yell at me because, like, I am... I am, I am uh, anti-weather. So if there's anybody out there that really has st a strong love for winter, I'm telling you, I hate winter. So I guess I'm racist towards winter, if that's a thing. What am I going to be looked at as a winter, as a winter phobic? You're winter phobic. You don't like winter. You're winter shaming. <laughs> uh, shit. But that's what probably somebody's going to think, right? But anyways, I do not like winter. I am not a fan of colds and all this other bullshit. So, um, I don't know. Uh, weather definitely helps dictate my mood. You know, when I woke up today and it was 70 degrees out and sunny, it's just like, ha, it's like hallelujah. You know, life couldn't be better. But if I were to wake up today and it was like 30 and fucking snowing, you know, it'd just be like, ugh, I don't even want to get out of bed. But when the weather's beautiful like this, man, it just, it really, it, it really does elevate your mood. Scott Weiland said it the best, rest, God rest his soul. Another hero of mine, dead way too soon. A fucking heroine, Jesus Christ. But Scott Weiland, the original singer from Stone Temple Pilots, back when Stone Temple Pilots was great. I'm telling you, their first album, Core, when that shit came out, I was in middle school or early high school and that album changed my whole world along with Alice in Chains album Dirt uh, but anyways um, Scott Weiland uh, in Stone Temple Pilots uh, song um, Plush then I feel so much depends on the weather so is it raining in your bedroom those lyrics still stick with me, like, 25 years later. He was talking about so much depending on the weather, and is it raining in your bedroom? What a perfect analogy that was. I, that always stuck with me, because the weather does dictate my mood so much. And uh, it does sometimes feeling, it, it, it does sometimes feel like it's raining in my bedroom, right? So anyways, uh, yeah, weather's great. Speaking of weather, you know how everybody calls uh, like, uh, like the weather mother nature? You know, there's mother nature and then there's father time. Why is it the father is time and the father isn't nature? You know what I'm saying? Who came up with this shit, you know? Why isn't it mother time? In Father Nature. I don't know. Do you find that sexist? Are there any uh, are there any ladies listening that are that are feminists? 
Do you have a problem with that? Do you have a problem with uh, nature being named after a mother and time being named after a father? You know, I could totally see some, uh, some broad, you know, bringing that up on Twitter, saying, I think it's ridiculous because what? They named nature, like, they put nature with mother because they, like, they didn't feel like mothers could handle time, so they had to give it to the father. That's so sad. <laughs> I'm laughing at this shit because so much of this shit is true. Everybody seems to be attacking fucking everything, even ridiculous shit. And I think all of it ridiculous. It, all of it's ridiculous. All of it. Everything social justice warrior PC nation, cancel culture, every one of you can collectively lick my asshole, okay? But people are just, they're going, I don't know, this whole movement of just people just freaking out over fucking everything is just, is just, it's, it's, I don't know. It is beyond crazy. I, I, I don't know how to deal with it. But seriously, I think of that shit, mother nature and father time. And then they got to say old man winter. What are you trying to say? Old man winter? Why, why are you shaming old men by comparing winter to an old man? I'm an old man. What are you trying to say? That I'm a lot like winter? Why is winter old man? Why can't we call it uh, young, young woman winter? You know, why is it old man? Can't it be old lady winter? You know, old ladies with their fucking puffball heads, you know, driving around in their fucking Buicks, 30 miles an hour below the speed limits, bouncing off guardrails. And senior citizen discount. You know? How about old people winter? That's a better thing, all right? You know, let's not gender shame here and say old man. How about just old people winter? Everyone gets upset with old people, right? They're all old, set in their ways with their big puffball fucking heads with their 20,000 coupons fucking bitching and complaining. You know, they're all driving Buicks 30 miles an hour below the speed limits. You know? Uh, so yes, uh, winter, 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 winter. Okay, true story. Well, this is all true. But here's another one for you, okay? I just got back from running errands, like I was telling you earlier. Uh, had a bunch of errands to run, had to go to the bank, had to go to the grocery store, had to make a couple other pit stops. But I was just in my local grocery store, okay? And um, I really, I think I was talking about this on the last podcast, because I, I hate the media. I hate the media. I hate how the news freaks people out. And this whole coronavirus shit, the media is really causing a shitstorm. People are freaking the fuck out. And I'm not. I'm not. Okay? And I think I've explained to you people why I'm not. What can we do? Other than just washing your hands, not touching anything public with your hands, don't touch your face. It's the same thing that I've been doing every year of my life trying to avoid not getting a flu or the cold or or a cold so now that there's a new virus out there that's contracted the same way my methods haven't changed before the coronavirus hit i had hand sanitizer in my car 
before the coronavirus hit, I had sanitary wipes, like those Clorox wipes, to wipe down, you know, surfaces in my house. I do it every winter. My mother used to do it. Her mother used to do it. The mother before her used to do it. It's just something I do. But now when I go to my local grocery store, you can't buy water. You can't buy bread. You can't buy any of those products because everybody's bought them up and is freaking out. And it's just like, first of all, first of all, uh, I don't even know where to begin here because I talk about this all the time and it's just like, okay, here, here, here are the reasons why I'm not freaking out about the coronavirus, okay? Because, okay, A or 1, I'm going to make several points and I'm going to use letters and numbers, I guess. So A1, I find that worrying about anything that I cannot control is counterproductive. I cannot help if I get the coronavirus or not. And neither can any of you. You can't see it. You can't smell it. It's not like a skunk that you just have to avoid. Nobody can tell, right? It's microscopic. Just like you can't tell if you happen to have a uh, flu virus right now on the back of your hand. You can't see it, okay? So there's no sense in worrying about the world ending or you getting it because worrying about it isn't going to prevent you from getting it or not getting it. Just be smart. Use your fucking head. Use common sense. Don't touch your face. Constantly wash your hands and don't touch anything fucking public with your hands. That's it. That's all you got to do. So when I go to the grocery store now and I try to buy anything resembling a cleaning product, they're all out because everybody's bought up everything because the media is freaking people out. Okay. So the reason why I'm not worrying about the coronavirus is because A or one, worrying about it isn't going to keep me from getting it or not getting about it. Two, or B, if I do get it, it's got a 2% mortality rate, okay? More people die from the flu every year than die from the coronavirus. Do you understand that? Have you ever looked at a map to see how many people are infected in like a 10-mile radius of you at any given time with the flu. Everybody's got the flu, bro, all around the world. The flu is rampant right now in the U.S. And so many more people are dying on a yearly basis from the flu than from the coronavirus. The people who are dying from the coronavirus are the same type of people who die from the flu, right? Uh, they get complications uh, because they're old or because their immune systems are weakened or because uh, they have the flu or the coronavirus and then that turns into some kind of an infection or uh, bronchitis or uh, that other one where your lungs fill with fluid. I can't remember the name of it. But anyways, more people have the flu, more people die from the flu than from the coronavirus. It's only got a 2% mortality rate. So those are two great reasons, okay? More people are going to get the flu. You have a better chance of getting the flu. You have a better chance of dying if you get the flu than the coronavirus. You can't see the coronavirus. You can't help from getting it. So there's no reason to panic about it. There's no reason to worry about it. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Don't live your life in fucking fear over this shit. And turn off the nightly news because every night they're going to continue to freak out the fucking entire world about this shit. This is why I don't watch it. 
even on YouTube, I see the occasional story that's shared or, you know, some late night show that I subscribe to wants to talk about the coronavirus. I won't even watch it. I won't. I know enough about it. It's a virus. Just like the flu or like the cold, I don't want to get it. But I'm not doing anything differently than I was before the coronavirus came out. I continue to wash my hands. I continue to use sanitizer. I wipe my fucking surfaces down in my house. Been doing it my whole life. But now I can't buy those products anymore because the whole world is freaked out. All the people that never cleaned their hands or had sanitizer on them just bought up like a Costco amount of, of this shit, right? So now regular people like me who was using it before the coronavirus hit can't get it. But I'm going to go yet a step further, okay? I got a whole big box of uh, sanitary wipes. I'm all set because I bought them just for the winter, okay? I got sanitizer in the car for my hands. So, you know, when you're in your car and let's say you run into a convenience store. Now I get back in my car. I touch some things I shouldn't have touched. I got sanitizer in the car. It just makes fucking sense. So anyways, I was just at the grocery store, and I didn't need to buy sanitizer, but even if I did, they're out of it. But what I did need to buy was isopropyl alcohol, or rubbing alcohol. It's got a million uses. People use it as nail polish remover. It, you know, people use it, uh, you know, for painting. It's got a million and one uses, isopropyl alcohol, rubbing alcohol. My mother used to put rubbing alcohol in my ear when I would get swimmer's ear. And it would help uh, the pool water come out of my uh, ear. A million and one uses for this shit. So I needed some isopropyl alcohol because a little bit of alcohol and salt are the perfect thing to clean a, uh, a pipe or a bong, if you know what I'm saying. So, the, the, so while I was in the grocery store just doing my weekly grocery shopping, right? I had isopropyl alcohol written down and I went to the aisle where there's usually the, the rubbing alcohol and it was all gone. And at this point, I'm not making any connection to the coronavirus craze that's going on right now. So I asked one of the employees, I was like, where is your rubbing alcohol, your isopropyl alcohol? She's like, oh, we're all sold out. I'm like, why are you sold out? Oh, the coronavirus. People are making their own sanitizer with it. I'm like, whoa, are you fucking kidding me? You people are insane. Because stores ran out of hand sanitizer, you're going out and getting rubbing alcohol to put on your hands? You people are insane. So now I can't even buy rubbing alcohol in a store to clean my marijuana bong. <laughs> It's true, though. A little bit of salt and a little bit of rubbing alcohol will take the most blackened, disgusting uh, pipe, whether it's for tobacco or whatever else you're smoking. It'll clean it like it's brand new. A couple, like 30 seconds of shaking some rubber, uh, rubbing alcohol and salt will clean any pipe like that like it's brand new. And I just ran out. I think I might bottle, buy a little 16-ounce bottle of it maybe twice a year, and that's all I use it for is literally... Um, to get the stickiness off my hands from touching uh, marijuana flower, because sometimes when it's really good, it's sticky. And if you want to get that stickiness or uh, any kind of, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, any kind of uh, 
what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? This happens all the time. Uh, the black stuff that comes from smoking weed, the, the, the black tar type of stuff. What is that stuff called? Why can't I think of the name of it? Uh, um, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is a big problem I have, people. If you, you ask me a question I should know off the top of my head and my mind literally blanks out, how can I not think of that black substance that builds up from smoking weed? The blacks, you guys have probably said it 15 times already. Are you screaming at your radio? Because I can't hear you. What the fuck is that substance? Um, what is it called? It's not called tar, but it looks like tar. It's, it's, it's the black gunk that builds up from smoking weed inside your pipe. What is it called? That is, that is awful. All right, listen, I'm going to have to pause this podcast just so I can figure out this word. It's driving me fucking crazy. All right, I got it. Resin. Resin. The black resin. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, uh, I, I because I literally fumbled for like 10 minutes trying to figure out what word I'm looking for, I completely forgot what the whole point of me going down that thing was. But, yeah, anyways, um, a little bit of salt and a little bit of rubbing alcohol will take all that black resin and just erase it. Then you dump it out, you know, clean it out with some water after that, and you're good to go. So I probably go through two 16-ounce bottles of that a year cleaning out the uh, water pipes I have here. And that's all I use it for. And I ran out the other day after I cleaned my bong out and made it look brand new. And uh, yeah, because people are freaking out about the coronavirus, I can't even buy that shit to make my hands uh, not sticky with resin on it or clean my bong. So look what you people did. I'm going to have to smoke out of a dirty bong because you people are freaking out so much about this coronavirus that you had to buy up a product and use it for something it wasn't even designed to do. (laughs) Clean your hands. What's next? Are people going to pour like Jack Daniels on their hands? Because there's no rubbing alcohol and there's no uh, hand sanitizer. People are going to actually pour Bud Light on their fingers. It's it's probably coming. Seriously. That's just crazy to me, though. It's crazy. It, it's I've made fun of this for years. Because any time they forecast, like one of those nor'easters that we get, one of those old man winter fucking snowstorms, if you happen to go to a grocery store the day before one of these major snowstorm hits, all the bread... All the milk, all the canned food, all the shelves are cleared out. Like, it's seriously, like, fucking doomsday. And it's just a snowstorm. And now, you know, because there's a virus, a lot like the flu, that's killing less people than the flu, but because the media has taken off with it, people think it's the end of the world, and now they're buying up products that have nothing to do with keeping them healthy. I'm telling you, people, if nobody has any sanitizer at home, Okay, and no wipes or no beer to wash their hands with. You're still going to make it, buddy. You're still going to survive. Just, you know what you do? Don't touch your fucking face. And if you're going to touch food or anything you're going to put in your mouth, wash your hands well. And instead of going and grabbing the front door to like an office building, grab it with your sleeve or your shirt. Don't touch any of that shit. You're just asking for it. If you do that, you're going to cut your chances down at getting it by like 8 billion percent. 
So I wish everyone would just relax. Go go return that giant pallet of sanitizer that you bought at Costco, please, so I can clean my bong. <laughs> All right. I have not looked into this, but that is pretty much par for the course. I don't do much research on the shit I talk about. But a buddy of mine who kind of does know what he's talking about most of the time told me that uh, Japan did something recently where they're they're not part of some like worldwide uh, organization that's going to restrict what they can do in terms of like meddling with uh, um, like splicing DNA and shit like that. I, I don't know anything about it. Evidently, there was some understanding among all the different countries and continents across this fine planet of ours where we had agreed that we weren't going to genetically engineer uh, anything uh, that has to do with humans or animals or anything like that. But somehow Japan is no longer on board with that. So evidently Japan is going to start experimenting with making human-animal hybrids. They're going to like splice together some human genes and some animal genes and actually make hybrid people animals. Um, when I first heard him say this, I, I think I literally laughed out loud for about five minutes, but the more I've thought about it, it's, it's not even funny. I mean, how does it really take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's probably not a good idea that we start playing God and splicing a, like a pig and a guy together, you know, half pig, half man? you know, half motorcycle, half, half woman. It, what are we doing? You know, it, it's, it's, it's obviously such a horrible idea. I don't know. Hopefully he was wrong about this, but seriously, does anybody know about this? Why, why would you want to play mad scientist and splice together, uh, like a woman and, uh, like an elephant or a man and a saltwater crocodile. What are we doing? Do we really need, you know, a half man, half crocodile? <laughs> no, why? Why are we... Isn't there bigger problems out there to solve, like global warming, the fact that an asteroid could hit us, you know? Shouldn't we be, you know, curing cancer, you know, putting kids through college, getting rid of debt? I mean, aren't there aren't there bigger problems to put these top scientists on than trying to successfully make a, you know, half pig, half lady? <laughs> what are we doing, people? What are we doing? All right. Um, I realized something. I realized that uh, I left off my podcast from two times ago. Um not last week, but the week before, I ended my podcast with how I've been reading this new stand-up book and how it was kind of screwing with me because one of the exercises the book had me do was write down all the negative personality traits I have. And then I started asking friends of mine what they thought my negative personality traits are. And after I got finished writing out about 25 pages of negative personality quirks, um, it really made me go, holy shit, I am fucked up. I am like one, I am like a functioning psycho. 
You know what I'm saying? I pay my bills, I have a job, I function, but yet I'm really close to that psycho level. So yeah, I'm like a functioning psycho. So I'm just realizing after doing that, just how screwed up my life is. And everything the book told me not to do is what I've been doing in stand-up. And everything the book told me to do, I haven't done. So this book has really screwed me up in multiple ways. And uh, to be honest, uh, that Wednesday night, two weeks ago, I didn't go do stand-up. I was planning on it, but I didn't go because of this book. And I didn't go last week either. So I'm basically taking a little break from doing stand-up. I still love doing my podcast. I still want to make stand-up my career. But this book fucked with me in a lot of different ways. It made me really look at how screwed up my life is, which gave me a lot of material to talk about. But trying to turn all that negative material that I have for my personal life into um, a joke using the setup punchline format and everything the book talks about, it's really going against everything I had in my head that I thought was working up to that point. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I really need to get together with the comic that uh, recommended the book to me because I, I am left with more questions after reading this book twice through and doing all the uh, homework that it told me to do than I was before I read it. So I thought I kind of knew how to do stand-up comedy or whatever I was doing. It seemed to be kind of working. And now that I've read this book, it's like I feel like it's never going to work. So like this book has actually set me back. But I, I like to think positively too, I guess, certain times. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, even though this book has kind of screwed me up in terms of how I thought stand-up comedy needed to be done or whatever, and the book really made me reflect on how bad my life is, um, and I'm just afraid that it's going to depress the hell out of the audience. You know, it used to be when I used to write jokes and try to be funny, which is what the book tells me not to do, you know, some people would laugh, nobody would laugh, but at least I would get some laughs. But now it's telling me to talk about all this dark shit for my personal life. And instead of people laughing, I feel like they're going to jump out the window and commit suicide because I'm going to depress the room so much. That's just one of the many things this book has really shaken up in my life. So, um, yeah, you know, so I canceled the show that I had because of this book. And I haven't done stand-up in a couple weeks because this book has fucked me up that much. It's screwed. It's 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 literally thrown a monkey wrench into a bunch of gears and those gears have grinded. And uh the machine that was me doing stand up is is kind of broken. And I need to fix it. But the good thing about it is it's not like I'm a major comic who is getting booked all over the country and all of a sudden just quit because I felt like it, you know? Nobody's missing me in the clubs, you know what I'm saying? I don't even think people fucking know I'm taking a break. Um, but, you know, that's fine too. But anyways, you know, I really try to do, I really try to look at even the worst situations uh, by trying to see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And even though this book has fucked me up and made me question how I was doing stand-up, made me question my life, I mean, just so much shit, I know 
when the dust settles, that when I go back to doing stand-up, I'm going to be coming with better material. Um, I think I'm going to be able to get the audience on my side a lot more. I'm going to be talking about all real, true-life things. So it's just I have a lot of questions, and I need to get with the comic that's been kind of taking me under her wing. I haven't talked to her in a while. She's really busy. But once I get these questions answered from her and I get... You know, I think I'm going to be, I'll definitely be coming back to stand-up very soon, and I think it's going to be a lot better. You know what I'm saying? But it's just, this book really hit me over the head in a lot of different ways. And I think the strongest way it hit me over the head was it having me do that exercise where I really had to turn the mirror around on myself and write down everything that makes me frightened uh, everything I'm nervous about, things I don't like about myself, fucked up situations that have happened to me. So after I was done writing and I got through like 25 pages, I'm like, holy shit, I'm a psychopath. A lot of things upset me. A lot of bad things have happened to me in my life. So there's just so much material that's tragic. And I guess that's what people like. So I'm just... So I wasn't ready, and I didn't know this book was going to basically rip off 41 years of Band-Aids and get me to examine my entire existence. And that's what this book did, and I wasn't prepared to do that. So after I wrote down 25 pages of everything negative about my life, my personality, my looks, it really made me go, holy shit, I'm fucked up. And it kind of made, and it, yeah, it did. It made me depressed. So this stand-up comedy book that was supposed to help me improve my material literally has made me temporarily quit doing stand-up because of one of the exercises told me to reflect on my life, and I realized how fucked my life is because of that exercise in this stand-up comedy book. And, uh, yeah, so I think I'm actually going to use that as a bit. I'm going to talk in, in that, and it's... To me, it's not even a bit, and I guess this is what the book is having me do. I, w I want to be honest and tell the audience next time I go up there how apprehensive I am and what this book did to me. I think they might get a laugh out of it. Because literally, like I've already said on this podcast today, um, I was doing stand-up. I thought things were going well, but I wanted to get better. So I thought reading this book would make me better, and I think it will in the end. But, you know, I'm really apprehensive to talk about a lot of the negative issues I have um, with my personality or if my life because I'm afraid that they're going to go from not laughing to literally jumping out of a window because they just can't take all the just negativity that's coming off of me, you know? So, I don't know. Instead of people not laughing, I just feel like people are going to go, aww. Oh, oh my God, look at this guy. Holy fuck, we feel bad for him. So, you know, I'd rather have a ha-ha-ha than a aww. You know, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking for laughs. And I guess if I have to fuck my life up in order to make you people laugh, I guess that's what I'll do. But yeah, I don't know. I think it'll all work out in the end. And like I said, me taking a little break from doing open mics, what am I, what am I doing? I'm fucking with my career. If I take a month off of doing open mics, I'm going to all of a sudden miss my miss my window. That's not how it works. You know what's been boggling my mind a little bit? 
And I think the only reason it boggles my mind is just because I'm jealous. So yes, I'm, I, I am admitting right now that the people I'm going to talk shit about is mostly because I'm just jealous. I'm jealous because uh, I feel like I've given my heart and soul into so many different endeavors that I've been on in my life and uh, don't have anything to show for it. While other people start up an endeavor and just hit a home run on the first swing, you know? Um, it's no big secret to anyone that knows me or knows the show that uh, my biggest comedy influence is Bill Burr. And I've seen pretty much everything Bill Burr's ever done for stand-up, everything he's uh, done for interview. And one of the interviews of Bill I was watching the other day is he's been on the H H3, H3 podcast, Ethan Klein. And when Bill first made an appearance on that uh, podcast that's on YouTube, uh, they have like 2 million subscribers. I was like... Who is Ethan Klein and his wife, Gila? Like, who is H3? Is this guy a stand-up comedian that I don't know about? Like, how did, how did he become famous? How does he have this, what seems like a million-dollar podcast studio, and he's getting guests like Bill Burr? Who is this guy? So I did some research on him, and he's just a YouTuber. He's just some dude that started a YouTube channel. And now has 2 million followers and he's getting guests like Bill Burr. And it's just like, holy fuck, dude. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's just crazy to me. And then uh, there's a couple, I don't know, there's a lot of YouTubers I follow. And there's some that I've uh, unsubscribed from in the last 24 hours. Because I realized that their heart wasn't genuine. That they literally started a YouTube channel and everything they're doing on their channel isn't true to their craft they're just doing whatever they can to get the most views and to get the most subscribers because then comes more money and i can't stand that dude you know if you're starting a youtube channel just to make money i think that sucks if you're starting a youtube channel because you're passionate about uh, making videos or having a podcast and then the money comes and the subscribers comes that's great but there are people out there who are starting YouTube channels and doing it just for the money. And I don't know, dude. I, I feel like there's easier ways. And, you know, a lot of these videos on YouTube and a lot of these newer channels on YouTube, they're reaction channels. All they're doing is filming themselves reacting to somebody else's content. And they have millions of hits and subscribers. And they're getting, and these people are getting paid like four or five, six hundred grand a year from their YouTube channel. Just, it, see, and that's what starts to piss me off. And I didn't realize this up until recently that all these people doing reaction videos, they're just filming themselves reacting to somebody else's copyrighted material. And because they put their face in the video, of them reacting to it, they can get around the copyright laws. So there are YouTube reaction channels out there that really aren't doing anything other than filming themselves reacting to stand-up or to Eminem or to whatever, and it's not even their material. 
they are bucking the system. They found a hole in YouTube's copyright system by putting their face up on the screen at the same time. It allows them to put no thought into their channel, get money in ad revenue off somebody else's material just because they found the loophole of putting their face in the video and calling it a reaction. And then there's another dude that's been taking it a step further. I used to really like this dude. I'm going to spare his name because I don't want all his ravenous fucking followers coming after me. But there's a dude that uh, I think he's only had a channel for maybe a year and a half, and he's already up to a million and a half subscribers. And he just does reactions. But he takes it one scumbag step further, okay? He only does reaction videos to whatever videos are trending on YouTube. Okay, so let's say right now, if I were to go to the number one trending video on YouTube, and let's say the number one trending video on YouTube right now, and this is just, this isn't, this, this is just an example. Let's say the number one trending video on YouTube right now was a brand new Eminem video. People are hitting it like a thousand times a second, okay? So this, so these reaction channels will look at what the top 10 trending videos are in YouTube. Then they'll go and film themselves reacting to that number one trending video. And because their face is in the video, it won't get flagged for copyrights. And because it's already a trending video, the original, when people go to search that Eminem video, the reactions are going to come up. So can you see that to me is cheating. People have found a easy way out, an easy way to money, and they're exploiting it. And I don't, and it pisses me off. And I think part of it is jealousy. I mean, I, I would love to make 600 grand a year and quit my job literally just filming myself reacting to South Park or Family Guy or stand-up comedy. That's all these people are doing. And they're making seven fucking figures. And they're not doing anything original. You know what I'm saying? It's just their face from their camera next to Eminem's video that, 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 that has 50 million views and then they tape themselves doing a 10-minute reaction to Eminem's video. Then they upload it with the same title. Then people click on it, and they get 1,000 subscribers a day. And after a year, they got 2 million subscribers, and they're making $500,000 a year. People that have no business making that much money because they don't know what to do with it. And there's so many YouTubers that I subscribed to two years ago when they had 2,000 subscribers, and now they're up to 2 million, and they don't give a shit about any of the people that subscribed to them their first day. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's all about the money. There are too many YouTubers out there that are all about the money. They don't give a fuck about their fans. They don't give a fuck about how they're making it. And anyone who's like that, I have since unsubscribed from. And I really wish I could call out this one guy because he is one of the he he his channel has to be one of the fastest growing channels in YouTube history. I mean, I think he's literally only been on YouTube for God, it it, it can't be more than a year. It's got to be maybe a year and a couple months. And the dude is up to like 1.6 million subscribers, 
and he's making like $500,000 a year. And all he's doing is basically stealing other people's content, and he gets away with it by putting his face on there. He's not doing anything. He's taking our original material, putting his face on it, calling it a reaction, and he's getting paid 500 grand to do it. It's not like he's out there with a uh, $20,000 business loan to start up a YouTube channel because he had to buy cameras and all this stuff, and he's out there filming original content. He's just pulling up somebody's content that they've already, you know, sweat and blood and tears for, putting his face on it, and then collecting all your money. And I, I had no idea people were like that sneaky about it. But once it was broken down for me uh, by another great YouTuber I follow, who is all about the money, but he's got enough clout to say, hey, here's what people are doing. I'm just like, holy shit, I can't believe these guys are doing it. And then now that I know that that's how they're doing it and why they're doing it, it's pretty obvious when I watch their shit now that they aren't interested in really reacting to something new they haven't seen. They're just reacting to it and putting on a show to get you to watch it. That's it. But I, I, I think that's so fucking lazy. That's so lazy. It's the same equivalent of, um, you know, you're not a musician. You don't know how to write a song. You don't know how to play an instrument. But you're going to go and take like Metallica's One, which is copyrighted, and then put your face like up on a screen while you're playing Metallica's One so people can watch your face as they're listening to the song. And because your face is in there, Metallica can't copyright it. And then you call it a Metallica One reaction video. But you, you're not in Metallica. You don't know how to play an instrument. You're not a musician. You don't own that fucking material. But you just found a way to uh, basically take Metallica's shit, call it you reacting to it, and it's making you money. Metallica's not getting shit. And you're making 500 grand a year doing it. That, that is such a punk fucking way to uh, become internet famous and to make some money. I guess I could do it. I got the equipment right now to start a reaction fucking channel. Johnny reacts, you know, and I could act all goofy and like I'm all outraged out. I could, I could probably do that, but I'm not going to sell out like that, bro. I'm not. I think that's ridiculous. As somebody who's been a musician for 26 years, I can tell you if people were stealing my material or, you know, my original music or content and... You know, I get a little fucking pissy too. It's like, dude, I got no problem with you wanting to uh, be creative on YouTube and uh, put out original videos. If you can put out original content on YouTube and make millions, more power to you. But all of these reaction channels that are making money basically by stealing other people's content and getting away with it by putting their face on it... Um, that's that's crazy to me and i can't believe it took me this long to realize what they were doing but um so yeah uh that's that uh let's see we've been talking for jesus 58 minutes uh i had a couple more things to uh no i had one more thing to talk about but it's too negative and we don't want to be negative it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood a beautiful day in the neighborhood would you be mine 
could you be my neighbor? All right, everybody. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in to the podcast. We will probably talk to you again later this week or early next week. I hope you're having a fabulous day, and I appreciate your support uh, more than um, I could ever express. There's no words to express how much I appreciate anybody who subscribes to my YouTube, Spotify, or um, podcast on uh, Apple. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so much for the support. You you people and your families will be in my prayers. I wish you folks nothing but the best. I really do. So thank you so much for the support. It means the world to me. It seriously does. So anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. This is your buddy, Johnny Ares, signing off. We'll talk to you later. Peace. That's about all I got. I blew through an hour and a half of material in four minutes. That's usually a good sign. All right, but seriously, I love you all. Thank you for coming. I'm Johnny. On the seventh day, the Lord rested. But before that he did, he squatted over the side of England. And what came out of him was Ireland. No offense, son. I'm none taken, sir. I grew up here.